Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick, Cody, and Justin coming at you with our conference championship preview recording on a Friday afternoon just two days before the conference championship games will take place. Cody, let's get a temperature check, bud. You're going to the game on Sunday. I know you're uh, you're probably pretty nervous. This is going to be a close one between your Chiefs and your Bengals. Are you, uh, you feeling the nerves yet or are you just trying to, you know, to keep that out of your mind right now? Oh, I've been nervous all week about it. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things is with, with all the news with, you know, regarding Mahomes and just injury stuff. It's just, I, I just don't want to see him get completely blown out in this game. That That's my big thing. I mean, if it comes down to, you know, it's, it's a close game and just because of Mahomes injury, he's limited and they lose. Like I can live with that. That is what it is. That's just injury luck. But if they go out there and just get their doors blown off, it's just, it's not going to be a fun weekend for me. Yeah, as big of a Chiefs hater as I am, I don't know if I really see that in the range of outcomes unless, like you said, I mean, there is a small possibility he just re-aggravates the ankle and maybe he's done by the second quarter or something. Then, obviously, that would probably be on the table at that point. But uh, Andy Reid's a really good coach. We saw it last week, even with Chad Henney in the game, they were able to move the ball. So I think your Chiefs will put up a fight, and this will be a good game one way or another. And especially if Mahomes is able to, you know, be... 75% of himself, that's better than most quarterbacks in the league. So I think you guys got a good shot. For sure. We'll get into the championship games themselves, but we actually do have a little bit of news to go over here. I wanted to wait until we had at least three or four nuggets to, to talk about instead of just uh, you know the, the little bit of news that was trickling out. But we'll start with the newest one. That is Nathaniel Hackett being hired as the offensive coordinator of the Jets. Seems like a similar move that was made last offseason trying to woo a certain quarterback to the New York Jets. It does actually make quite a bit of sense, though. I think the Jets have the means. They have a relatively high pick in this draft, and they have the desire to go acquire a veteran quarterback, that being Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I don't know if I really hate this move, even if they don't get Rodgers. Obviously, Hackett flamed out pretty spectacularly with my team, the Broncos, this year, but he was an okay coordinator with the Packers. Who knows how much of that was him, how much was Rodgers. But he had a couple good years with the Jags, too. So I don't hate it for the Jets, even if they don't get Rodgers. But that certainly seems to be some of the motivation here. What do you think about it? I mean, that's, that's at least what the media is going to say, for sure. I mean, just kind of copying what the Broncos did last season. Um, but, I mean, when it comes to, like you said, he was a fine offensive coordinator in Green Bay. You obviously have LeFleur and Rodgers there. So how much was Hackett? How much was them? No one really knows. How much last season was his fault? How much is Russ's regression? So, you know, I just, I, the media is just going to say this is all for Aaron Rodgers, which they probably do want Aaron Rodgers because they have a really good team and they probably feel like that can put them into the playoffs and give them a shot. So, um, if this is all part of a scheme to get them, then I hope they do because I'm kind of tired of the Rodgers Green Bay story anyway. So, I wouldn't mind something new revolving Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we've seen plenty of guys, too, that have just not cut it as head coaches, a la Josh McDaniels, that have gone from being offensive coordinators to head coaches back to being good offensive coordinators. So I'm not I'm not sure I'm totally writing off Hackett as, a, as an NFL coach in general. Just probably wasn't cut out to be a head coach, at least not yet. Uh, we'll see how that plays out, but certainly a lot of Most smoke. People are. A lot of, yeah, that's very true. A lot of smoke going right, on with man. the Rodgers to the Jets, and uh, my Garrett Wilson stock is praying that that is the case. That would be a pretty fun time for me, even though I don't love rooting for Aaron Rodgers. He would be, he'd look a lot better throwing the ball to, to Garrett Wilson than Zach Wilson would, I would imagine. Uh, Garrett Wilson with Aaron Rodgers or Ramondre Stevenson? Oh, Garrett Wilson. I, I, I think <laughs> <You> sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, 
hundred percent. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson coming up this year. No, I and, know. Yeah, I, I think the problem is that the Patriots might add somebody there. I or they, you know, they could retain Damian Harris. I, I think Ramondre Stevenson was the benefit, the beneficiary of some injury luck around him this year. Kind of inherited that full time role. New England doesn't usually love to do that though. Uh, the next hire that we have to go over, this one, probably not as much fantasy reaction, at least in the short term here. That is Frank Reich being hired as the head coach of the Panthers. We'll see how this turns out. I think he's going to find himself in a similar situation, but with probably a slightly worse roster than he was uh, you know, going into his Colts tenure. They're, they're going to be looking for their quarterback. They're hoping Frank Reich can... Get it right this time around. He jumped around with a few veterans uh, the last time. You know he was a coach with the Colts. Maybe they go young quarterback this time since they have a pick in the top ten. Maybe they try to move up, get one of those uh, highly regarded quarterbacks this year. But I like him as an offensive mind. I think this is a fine move for the Panthers. It's really just going to come down to the quarterback, though. Yeah, Panthers are all about getting their guy a quarterback. It seems like even going back to the Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes, they were always in the hunt for big name quarterbacks that were on the move. So. Um, wouldn't doubt it if they also, if, you know, Lamar Jackson becomes available if they're a team that looks his way. So, um, yeah, I I don't don't hate it, don't love it. Seems kind of like the safe move. He's the first head coach to get hired in this um, off season. So, you know, shout out to him. I mean, he was fired. I mean, maybe not wrongfully, but obviously everything that happened in Indianapolis kind of was awkward and weird. So, good to see him kind of turn it around and get another job, but. Like you said, it all comes back comes down to quarterback play. If they had a good quarterback in Indianapolis, he's probably still there. So just depends on who they can get at that position. Yeah, certainly interesting. I feel like the Panthers are kind of the the Colts of the NFC, at least in the past few years. Obviously, the Colts have jumped around from uh, you know Philip Rivers a couple years ago to Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan this year. The Panthers kind of a similar deal. They started with Teddy Bridgewater, went to Sam Darnold, then went to. Uh, Baker Mayfield at the beginning of this year. Yeah, Cam Newton as well. So uh, they're probably going to be looking for some more stability at the quarterback position. I would expect them to heavily, heavily target one in the draft if they can uh, somehow move up into the top five this year. And then the last one that we have, this one is almost a non-news story. Uh, Bill O'Brien is hired as the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. Uh, I mean, it seems like Bill Belichick just has eight names in his little black book that he goes to for coordinators. One-to-one is run out of town. He just rehires one of the, the ones he's already had on staff before. So we'll see. Hopefully Bill O'Brien can bring a little more stability than Matt Patricia. That's not a very high bar, but... Uh, I, I don't really have any reaction to this as far as, again, short-term impact. I think this is just another Bill Belichick pawn. Hopefully he works out for Mac Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did – or not Bill O'Brien. Did um, Matt Patricia, did he get fired or did he just get, like, moved back to special teams or defense? I, I didn't question. see that at all. I think but, Joe Judge got let go, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure about Patricia, though. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, I, like a lot of the media has covered this already. Just a very Bill Belichickian move. Um, doesn't bring anybody new in, doesn't bring anybody, you know, different or anything like that into kind of his system. And, I mean, I, I don't mind it. You're going to want to make the most out of Mac Jones. You're probably at least somewhat stuck with him at this point unless you can make a move. So, at least it's an actual offensive mind. I mean, I felt like he deserved to get clowned last year naming Matt Patricia as offensive coordinator. So at least it is somewhat of an offensive mind. And Bill O'Brien was fine as a coach. It's just the GM part of things he really screwed up on. Yeah, probably not going to be able to trade for DeAndre Hopkins anymore this offseason with Bill O'Brien on staff as the offensive coordinator. Those two did not exactly oh, I didn't have think the about best that. relationship. So that steam may have 
gone by the wayside, but the Patriots have some other options in that regard. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But yeah, probably a, a higher bar than Matt Patricia, but again, not, not a very high bar to clear for Bill O'Brien. All righty, let's go ahead and start with our championship round preview here. We'll bury the lead a little bit and begin on the NFC side with San Francisco at Philadelphia. Uh, hopefully, by the way, these two games can help make up for the lack of fireworks on divisional round weekend. These are probably the four best teams in the NFL. We don't honestly get to see that very often. There's usually at least one relative underdog that makes it through, but uh, we got four of the best of the best here. So should be two really good games this weekend, starting off with this Philadelphia game. They are favored by two and a half at home over under a surprising 46 and a half points. Get to that later. But before we do my stat of the game, the Eagles had 70 sacks as a team this year. That was the first in the NFL Second place was Kansas City with 55. The difference between the Eagles and Kansas City is the same as the difference between the Chiefs and the 14th place team that was the Pittsburgh Steelers. This defensive line can absolutely get after the quarterback. Obviously, this also has a lot to do with the fact that Philadelphia was leading a lot of their games. They probably see a lot more dropbacks than most teams, but still, uh, their pressure rate was absolutely off the charts. I think uh, the biggest matchup I'm looking for uh, on this, just in a general sense, is the Eagles offensive line versus the San Francisco defensive line. Could honestly be you know, an argument made that this is the number one line against the number one defensive line. That'll be an absolutely fascinating matchup to watch. Do you have uh, any matchups in particular that you are excited to see, or is there something about this game you'd like to, uh, to target specifically? I mean, I think you could throw around the other lines as well. The San Francisco offensive line and how their run game is absolutely. able to match up against um, – uh, the Eagles defensive line. And um, I, I know you you have a note in here about their, their rush defense kind of being exploitable. Jordan Davis is back and healthy, right? Absolutely. There's yeah. no, Makes a huge difference. Okay. Makes a big difference in the run game for sure. So, yeah, that one, I mean, that's – I think that if you are, I would say, like a newer age NFL fan and you just love to see the big highlight, big passive plays and everything like that, probably not going to be the game for you to watch. I imagine this game is going to be one that's going to be just – a hard fought, just running it on both sides of the football, and just it it's going to be just a great old school football game. I think that both these teams are very physical. It's going to be at you know Lincoln Financial Field. Philadelphia fans are going to be going psycho up there during the game. It's it's going to be an amazing game. I can't wait for it. I mean, both the the line matchups are interesting, and then I mean you got the uh, the Forty ers kind of pass attack with Debo and Ayuk against Darius Slay and. Um, the other corner for Philadelphia. So all, just all kinds of matchups. These are definitely the best two teams in the NFC. I feel like Dallas had the best, you know, had a really good roster too, but these two just match up so well with each other. Yeah. From a, from a pure roster perspective, they are definitely head and shoulders above the rest of the NFC. The quarterback is another discussion, but we will get into that when we uh, go through our best bets. Uh, I think the two matchups besides the, uh, the the line matchups that I'm looking for are Hertz uh, versus the 49ers secondary. Hertz actually had the number one passer rating this year on deep throws, 25 plus yards down the field. Sort of surprising because his deep ball accuracy was certainly something that was a question coming into this year. Seems like adding AJ Brown to the mix did the trick, but the 49ers. For as good as their defense is, that is kind of one of the places they have been exploited. We've seen this actually a couple times throughout the playoffs, had that big play to CeeDee Lamb uh, in the Dallas game, and then obviously DK beat them over the top once as well. But they have allowed the fifth highest passer rating on deep throws. So the Eagles might have to take advantage of that if they are to move the ball on offense because it is going to be tough sledding on the ground, even though, like we said, their offensive line is very good. 
And then on the 49ers side, I think it's the run game. Uh, like we said, with Jordan Davis in the lineup, Eagles are a stout run defense, but uh, the 49ers running attack is, you know, it wears on you. Dallas's defense saw that last week. They, they kind of wore down in the second half. The 49ers got going. So we'll see if they are able to, and uh, you know, wear them down as the game goes on. I think the 49ers, if they want to win this game, it's going to be a 17 to 13 affair. That's kind of what we said earlier this week when we did the, uh, the, the divisional round review. Do you have anything you want to talk about NFL wise? Do you want to get into the best bets? Uh, no, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in the best bets. I mean, I think highlighting Purdy and Jalen, uh, just that, I think that matchup a little bit is going to be kind of interesting because I feel like Jalen is, I mean, clearly the much better quarterback and, and we'll see what Purdy can do against an actual good NFL defense. Um, but like you said, we'll kind of hop into that a little bit more when we're talking about our best bets. So you can kick off. We actually kind of tail each other here. So you can go ahead and kick it off with our uh, line pick. Yeah, uh, the first best bet that I have and my favorite number on the week out of all four of the uh, you know the big lines, the the Eagles line, the over under on on both sides. This this under forty six and a half is my favorite number. This is it seems like one of those where Vegas is just knows something I don't because I don't understand how this line is above a you know I'd expect it to be more like a 42, 43 type of game. These are obviously two great defenses, two teams that love to run the ball. This clock's going to be moving. I don't really see how this game gets up to uh, this number unless the Eagles win big. I just I just can't imagine the 49ers going out there and hanging 30 on this defense with Purdy as their quarterback. Uh, I don't know if you have if you want to add anything to that. I have uh, a bet to piggyback off of this when you're done, but uh, go ahead and make your point on the underplay as well. I think you're on my side there. Yep, absolutely. You got two of the best defenses in the NFL. One of them's going up against a rookie quarterback who. He pulled out the win, but he struggled against Dallas, if we're being completely honest. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, he's he's coming off a rough game. We'll see how they're able to bounce back, what their offensive scheme looks like. But, yeah, I mean, just if you split this line right down the middle and don't factor in the line, I mean, you're look, or don't factor in the minus two and a half. I mean, you're looking at 23 to 24 to get there. And I don't know. I can imagine. I mean, I, I don't want to spoil your next best bet, but I kind of I like I like where you're headed with that one. So I'll kind of let you go into that. I think that that is most likely what is going to happen in this match. So, yeah, my next best bet piggybacks off of the under 46.5, and and that is uh, both teams to not score 19.5. So, essentially, uh, if one team does not get to 20, this bet hits. That is at minus 121, so you're laying a little bit more juice than you would on the minus 110 on the under. But essentially what you're doing here is kind of hedging yourself against an Eagles blowout, which is the only way I do see this number hitting the over. Uh, I, you know, If the Eagles are able to get that deep passing game going, get some quick scores down the field, then they may end up being able to get into the 30s. And that, that is the, the path that I see this over actually hitting. So if you want to hedge against that, and uh, you know, just bet on one of these two teams not getting to twenty. It's pretty similar as far as juice goes on the uh, just the straight up underline. So I kind of like this one a little bit more than just the straight up underplay. I wanted to include it here. Obviously, you wouldn't play both. You probably couldn't parlay these. Usually, not allowed to correlate like that on most sites. But uh, I think this is a good hedge against a potential Eagles blowout. Yep. So, and I really, I like your bet. So you made a really good point on the, on that side. So on the 49ers side of it as well, because I feel like we could all kind of see the 49ers offense laying a little bit of a stinker with Brock Purdy hitting under 20. Their defense since the bye week, which was week nine. So we have 11 games. How many times has the 49ers off defense given up more than 20 points? Uh, I'm going to guess one time. 
Uh, two, because if we're counting playoff games, because the, the Seahawks got to up to 23 on Oh, them, they did. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Two times since their bye week, they've given up more than 20 points. So even if you think that Philadelphia has a good chance to, you know, score more than 20 points and you think that's a bad bet, the 49ers defense is really good, which is where I think you can kind of, um, where you can see both teams finishing under 20. Yeah, like like we said earlier, I think the the San Francisco 49ers path to winning this game is a low-scoring affair. And again, if the Eagles do kind of get to their game, end up winning big, I think uh, you could easily see them winning by a couple scores and in this case they would this this number would hit as well. So that's that's what I that's why I like this hedge against that over number. I think I think Vegas might be smelling uh, a bit of an Eagles uh, you know, win by 7 to 10 here and if that's the case they could push this over 46 and a half, but I, I don't see it any way it gets there without that happening. My next best bet here is a little bit uh, of a contrarian play to what I have suggested so far, but that is CMC over 55 and a half rushing yards. I think the reason this is this low right now is because of CMC's calf issue, but uh, I think the, the 49ers path to winning this game involves him getting the ball quite a bit and being effective doing so. Uh, but either way, I think if you give CMC 15 carries, his odds of getting the 56 rushing yards are better than not, even against a good raw defense. But like we said, this is the one place on the Eagles side that you can exploit them, or at least they've been exploited at times this year. So I like over 55 and a half rushing yards for CMC. I think he's going to be need to fe- be, be featured early and often if the 49ers are going to win. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And really, I mean, he can break off a 56-yard run at any time during the game as well. So, um, yeah, I I don't mind that at all. I mean, the only thing you're worried about there is, you know, Elijah Mitchell kind of cutting into his workload at all. But CMC should get the majority of the work unless the 49ers get a, you know, a sizable lead. So, yeah, I mean, 55 and a half I feel like is pretty low. But he's so involved in the passing game and they run so many quick screens to him. It's kind of like a run. So, that's, I think that's kind of why this line's a little bit lower than where I feel like it should be. And then I'm just going to include uh, one of these bets that I have later on right now because it makes a little bit more sense to just talk about this all at once. Uh, I have McCaffrey at at least 14 carries. That's actually at plus 110, very surprisingly. So if you get to 14 carries from McCaffrey, you hit this and you get money uh, money back on the line here. So that just kind of goes live right along with what we were just talking about. I expect him to be featured. If he gets to 14 carries, uh, you get money on the juice there for plus 110. So I like that for the same reasons that we just discussed for the rushing uh, total line there. My next one kind of pig- yeah, my next one kind of piggybacks off of that idea that the the running game is going to be featured here. That is Brandon Ayuk under 46 and a half receiving yards at minus 114. This Eagles secondary is their strength along with their pass rush. So I could see a lot of quick screens to Debo Samuel, a lot of uh, maybe intermediate stuff to George Kittle over the middle, quick hitters. But Brandon Ayuk generally has to have his routes develop a little farther down the field. We saw him sort of get phased out last week against a good Dallas Cowboys pass rush. I could see something similar happening here. So 46 and a half receiving yards. I'll take the under for Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm all for kind of taking Brandon Ayuk's unders. Um, he usually only catches a couple passes, so it, it just depends on if they're able to push the ball down the field, which I just don't think they're they're going to be able to very much. Um, I was going to look up uh, Brandon Ayuk. Where are you at? Yeah, over under three and a half receptions. I also like under three and a half receptions as well. So if you want to uh, same game parlay both those, a little risky there, but 
I just I think that the way that the 49ers are going to have to play this game, Ayuk's not going to be the featured guy in the offense. So I think you can be pretty comfortable taking his unders in general. Yeah, definitely. They have uh, a lot of guys that are kind of specialty in that screen game. McCaffrey obviously catches a lot of them. Uh, Debo as well. They have a Ray Ray McLeod that's kind of a, a, a gadget player. Kittle as well. Yeah, Ayuk is not usually the guy catching the ball at the line of scrimmage. So not somebody I'd be liking to uh, to bet on this week to have a big game. My next one here, honestly, not my favorite. I tried to find a parlay to give you guys a little bit of juice. I think I would... Honestly, uh, I would lean towards just parlaying a few of these props that I've given you, uh, and I have a few more that I'm going to throw out as well that I don't like quite as much as the ones we've already given, but uh, here is the best parlay, or at least SGP, that I could find uh, that's already put together for you. That is Hertz at 255-plus passing yards, A.J. Brown at 85-plus receiving yards, an A.J. Brown touchdown, and a Philadelphia win. You get that at plus 775. So those are all pretty easy numbers to hit. In my opinion, for those uh, those players, obviously Brown getting in for the touchdown <clears throat> would make it more likely he has receiving yards, and a Brown touchdown and uh, you know a good Hurts passing day would be more likely that the Eagles win. So I don't mind this parlay. I, I think I would honestly just stick to stick to using the uh, the under or that the both teams not scoring twenty line that I gave you earlier, and then parlaying a few of those. But if you want to just throw one of those quick hitter SGPs out there, this one's not bad. Yeah, I. Uh... I don't mind this one. I unfortunately am going to retire my bank account from betting on parlays this weekend. Because <laughs> should have had a pretty solid weekend last week when I looked at all my straight bets. And then I looked at like the, the little bit of money I lost on parlays. And I was like, damn, that, that kind of sucked. <laughs> but no, I don't, I don't mind that. I mean, all of these things are probably necessary for Philadelphia to have a good day. The only one I really don't like there is Hurts over 255 passing yards. I just feel like there, there could be a chance he's just – more used in the running game than the passing game. So he's just a little bit sketchy to hit that 250 number. But again, if you're getting plus 775 and you know, you're a guy that likes to bet a dollar on a parlay, go for it. But I got to stay away from them. They're taking all my profits. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, I think that 255 is kind of hoping AJ Brown hits a long play that we already discussed. San Francisco is somewhat susceptible to, and that might just kind of help boost him to that 255 number uh if we get a long 50 yard play the rest of the game he's only got to get to you know around 200 yards so that seems pretty doable and then uh, i have a few other guys i just want to throw out props wise again these are probably a little farther down the list uh, as far as how much i like them as opposed to the ones we've already gone over but that is goddard under his total of 45 and a half receiving yards uh san francisco is very good against tight ends i think that number is a little bit juiced because he's been very good the past couple weeks A.J. Brown, over 72.5 yards for minus 110 for reasons we've already discussed. Jalen Hurts, under 45.5 rushing yards at minus 110. Uh, This one's a little risky. San Francisco's actually been somewhat susceptible to mobile quarterbacks, but I have – this is just more of a feeling for me. I I, Watching that game last week, it seems like Jalen Hurts is still – protecting his shoulder pretty heavily he was sliding quite a bit when he would not normally so i think the rush attempts might be just a little bit down for him uh until that shoulder's totally healed up so 45 oh excuse me 45 and a half is not a not a short number for a quarterback either so i could see him going under that and then uh, the last one i have we already discussed that's that mccaffrey at 14 carries at least uh, for plus 110 yep no absolutely i feel like all those are pretty solid props um I don't really have too much to add there. I really like the Brown over. I, I feel like he's going to have a good game. And then um, I'd imagine Devontae Smith's probably right around there. I also I mean, I kind of like his I over. Believe. 
Yeah, so that's yeah, that's I, I like his over as well. You've been you've been saying a lot about AJ Brown getting a deep bomb. Devontae Smith's also one of those guys that can get a you know a fifty yard bomb as well at any given time. So um, yeah, I like he's I like that for him. So um, any yeah, props you want really to throw out there, Cody, more. or do you want to move on to the AFC side? Yeah, I'm looking around. I'll try and find one for the AFC side. I don't have too much more on the uh, the Philadelphia game. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on to Cody's worst nightmare here. That is the AFC Championship Bengals at Chiefs. We will have boots on the ground, or at least a couple boots on the ground for this game. KC favored by one and a half at home. This line has swung more than pretty much any other line I've ever seen. Obviously, a lot to do with Mahomes' ankle and the updates on that. Over under is 48 here. My stat of the game, honestly, uh, this... This stat obviously seems like Chiefs bashing because, well, it is, and uh, I, I do love to do that. But uh, I, I'm not taking too much as far as my betting. You know, I'm not I'm not betting because of this uh, this stat. I just really like. I thought this was pretty fascinating. The Chiefs are seven and eleven against the spread this season. That, those eleven against the spread losses are the most for any team entering the conference title game in the Super Bowl era. Couldn't believe that. They are also two and eleven against the AFC this season against the spread. And conversely, Cincinnati in their last 26 games is 21 and five against the spread, and their 13 and five against the spread record this season is second best in the NFL. So you will have Vegas to fight in this game, Cody. Does that stat change your mind about uh, your pick later on here, or are you just still riding with your boys? Oh, Vegas is on my side. Vegas wants the Chiefs to win this one. Cincinnati's a, a public. <laughs> they, they are. They, they they're, they're a public are. favorite, man. Everyone's <laughs> right going to be on that. Cincinnati. Especially now that they're getting a point and or a point and a half, and they are, uh, and you have the Mahomes injury lingering around. And then I will go ahead and drop this bit of information I've been waiting. I don't know if you saw the sleeper update that came through, but Travis Kelsey got uh, added to the injury report with a back injury today after practicing in full or before practicing in full, but did practice in full with a back injury. So. Okay. Don't know how severe that is, but that is just even more just bad stuff coming out of the KC side before this game. So don't love to see that. Um, but like I said, you know, like we've kind of said a lot on a lot of our betting podcasts, Vegas always finds a way to get even. So the public may have to come pay this weekend when uh, when KC <laughs> steals one. We'll see how it plays out. Hopefully your presence can help will your boys to victory, Cody. Uh, we don't have to talk too much about the NFL side of this game. We'll just get a couple points. We've kind of belabored it to uh, a degree in the past couple podcasts that we've had. But Mahomes' ankle is the big story. Uh, we'll just get this right off the top, Cody. How much do you think it will affect the game? Oh, I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to have a, uh, a decent impact. I mean, I just – I don't know. I feel like it's hard to – Think about how much it's going to have an impact on because the Chiefs are just completely blowing it off and acting like it's not an issue. He wasn't on the injury report today, funny enough. He uh full participant, no injury, supposedly, a week, six days after a high ankle sprain. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I It's going to affect them. It's just I feel like probably Cincinnati's feeling the same way. You'd have to expect it to affect them a little bit, but with the way the Chiefs are hiding it, you just don't know quite how much it will affect them. But, yeah, I mean, there's – no way. I mean, there's no shot that he's playing this week if it's not the AFC Championship or a playoff game in general. So if we're a regular season right now, he's taking two to three weeks off. So it's going to have to have some kind of an impact unless he's just healed unlike any other human before him. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think um, obviously the the improv plays are the thing that we are you know talking about here with Mahomes. He he led the NFL in throws outside of the pocket this year, and he threw zero times outside of the pocket in the second half last week against the Jaguars. Small sample size, obviously, but a pretty telling stat, obviously from just watching the game and uh, from the you know the context of the stat before it with him leading uh, in the throws outside the pocket this year. That's just, just a lot of his game. If he's not able to utilize that part of his game, it's going to limit this offense. Obviously, they are very good. We saw Chad Henney come out and lead a 98-yard touchdown drive. So if he can do it, Mahomes can do it on one foot, but he's going to need to you know have a performance for the ages if they are going to win this game. Uh you know, win this game and with a with a large total. I think the X factor matchup here, though, is that Chiefs D line versus the Bengals O line. The Bills were not able to take advantage of their offensive line injuries, but the Chiefs defensive line, as we alluded to earlier, was second in the league in sacks this year. So, I think that's the one that's the one area the Chiefs really have to win if they want to they want to win this game. They have to put pressure on Joe Burrow. If their defensive line is able to take over this game, they'll have a chance. But I think that is the the X factor matchup here. If the Bengals O-line plays like it did last week, I don't see the Chiefs having much of a chance. Yep, absolutely. I mean, luckily, we don't have any big injuries like we alluded last week. Von Miller being out for Buffalo was probably a way bigger impact than it was getting credit for going into that game. Yeah. Um, you know, even with their offensive line injuries, Buffalo wasn't really able to put too much pressure on Joe Burrow. So, uh, you know, it's going to have to be a big game. We're going to have to have Karloftis, our rookie, really step up off the edge. We're going to have to have Frank Clark step up a little bit. We're going to have to have Chris Jones. Chris Jones has no playoff sacks in his career. I saw that stat on the TV last Really? Weekend. Blew my mind. I may that have to Google that to double check it, but I was – I may have been a couple of Tito, Tito's and Soda deep when that stat came across <laughs> the screen, but <laughs> may, may want to fact check me. But I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a playoff sack. So he needs to get himself, you know, two of them this weekend to, to get that going the other way. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be the big thing for us because um, as we'll get to on our bets, I mean, I feel like, I feel like that, that's going to have to be – the Chiefs' best unit this week is going to have to be our defensive line for us to stay in this game and have a chance to sneak one out. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I'm thinking the Bengals have a contingency plan there if the Chiefs' D-line is consistently beating them off the ball, but uh, we'll see. That can really wreak havoc on an offense, and I think, again, that is the biggest chance the Chiefs have of winning this game. Kind of funny to say that their biggest chance of winning the game is on the opposite side of the ball of Patrick Mahomes, but I do believe that is the case. Let's go ahead and jump into our best bets here. Not surprisingly, Cody and I are on opposite sides here. I am riding Cincy plus one and a half. I am glad that I waited it out before I bet. Obviously, uh, the Bengals were favored earlier this week, but I believed that once positive injury news came out on Patrick Mahomes, and obviously the injury news is coming from the Chiefs, so it's clearly going to be positive uh, as it, as you move on through the week, uh, that the line would shift back to the Chiefs, and it did. So you get Cincy plus one and a half. I like just taking them on the money line, to be honest, uh, and then I like the over of 48 we've seen. Three iterations of Burrow v. Mahomes. Uh, we had it last year in the AFC Championship, obviously, 51 total points. We had it this year in Cincinnati, 51 total points. And then we had it last year in Cincinnati during the regular season, 65 total points. So I think the over of 48 is definitely the play here. Yeah, like you said, we're on completely opposite sides. I feel like you laid out a good argument there. Um, I'm going to take KC minus one and a half. This is just 100% a fandom pick. I, uh, 
And I think also, like I, like I did say, I mean, Vegas does always kind of find a way to come back and get even, you know, and I, I feel like since he is on kind of a magical run for the public right now, so would I be ultimately surprised if they won by two points? No, but I, I my personal pick and why I have Kansas City here is I, I can't say that Cincinnati's going to win this game because that would just kill me. But if I was going to bet this game as a Chiefs fan, I would just put a wager on the money line. Like Nick said, just take the positive money. Like the plus one and a half doesn't really do anything to me. I feel like I would feel pretty safe saying that this game is going to kind of finish, you know, probably a field goal either way. So like the one and a half points doesn't mean too much. Um, I feel like Vegas is kind of hedging right now. because I feel like if you are someone who thinks that Mahomes' injury is worse than what it is, then you're getting really good value on Cincinnati plus one and a half. And if you're someone who thinks that his injury is not as bad as some of the media is making it out to be, then you're getting really good value on KC minus one and a half. So I feel like Vegas has a good line set, but if you're going to take Cincinnati, you might as well just take the money line and the plus money on it. Yeah, and I don't mind your underplay here if you are riding the Chiefs' side. Like I said, I think that the Chiefs' path to victory involves your, their defensive line really taking over this game. If that's the case, yeah, you could exactly. see you know more of a 27-17 style game and uh, this one going under. So I think that is probably the hope if you are a Chiefs fan. And uh, again, if you're a Cincinnati fan or a Cincinnati backer uh, for the betting side, I think the over is the play because uh, you're, you're hoping Cincinnati puts up some points, and we know Patrick Mahomes is going to put up points as well. So I think the overplay is there if you are on the Bengals' side. Let's go ahead and jump into the best bets. Uh, we'll get this one out of the way first. That is the over 48. I like it quite a bit, obviously, uh, for the reasons I've already mentioned. Cincinnati money line. if you want to parlay those, I like that as well. Uh, a secondary bet, uh, I like the parlaying the over 48 and then paying up to get three points for Cincy since you're at plus one and a half. Uh, you only have to lay one. It's minus 155 for Cincy plus three. If you parlay the over and Cincy plus three, that's plus 211. That way you avoid, uh, you know, if you, if you end up losing by a field goal, this still pays out on the over. I like uh, just paying up a little bit to get those extra couple points because like you said, the one and a half doesn't do much for me, but the plus three is big. Yeah, I would. I love that. I'd even be interested to see if it was at plus three and a half. I'd imagine your odds probably come down to more like maybe just under plus 200. But yeah, I, I like that a lot more. Give yourself some juice if you're going to take some points with Cincinnati. So um, I like that one quite a bit. I like the way you structured that. My second one here is Jarek McKinnon over 28 and a half rushing yards at minus 110. He had a pretty good uh, pretty good time running the ball against Cincinnati last time. I believe it was eight carries for 53 yards, if I'm not mistaken. It was over 50 either way. Uh, but he had a 65% snap share last week. Just seems like he's the guy that they go to uh, in these situations where they have to have a first down on third downs. And, you know, then he splits half the work beyond that. So I expect a few extra rushing attempts this week with Mahomes ailing. And I also like at least eight carries at plus 102 for Jarek McKinnon. I just think the running game will need to get going here uh, more so than in other games for Kansas City. And 28 and a half is not a hard line to hit for McKinnon. Yeah, especially if you're going to bet on him to get eight carries. If he gets eight, I'd imagine he's able to get over 28 rushing yards. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind that one necessarily. I would probably just take the the over 28 and a half rush yards. I'd probably stay away from the eight carries. I don't hate it, but just makes me a little bit nervous because I know Pacheco is going to be involved and McKinnon's more involved in the passing game when he's on the field. So be a little nervous there, but I can definitely see him getting it. And the odds aren't that crazy. It's only plus 102. So Vegas can definitely see it happening as well. 
Yeah, I like. Uh, I just like he got 11 last week, and I really like that 65% snap share number. I don't have uh, have it all in front of me, but I have to imagine that's one of his highest of the year. It just seems like uh, you know, obviously the Chiefs have all their cards on the table here. I think they're gonna you know you maybe give the running backs four or five extra carries total. Two of those go to McKinnon, and then he's just going to be on the field more than usual because he's the guy they trust most in uh, in tight situations. So. With all those things combined, I like uh, I like just hedging a little bit on McKinnon this week. My next one is going to be uh, a, a slight hedge, I suppose, for the rest of my money here, and that is three passing TDs for Mahomes at plus 129. Uh, I kind of went over this last week when I bet this same number. We would have hit it also if Mahomes did not get injured because the Chiefs quarterbacks threw three touchdowns. Unfortunately, Mahomes only threw two of them, but... Um, I just think at, if you're getting plus money for this, Mahomes has, I believe, hit this number in eight of his last 10 January games. And it just seems like even if they're chasing points against the Bengals, Mahomes is going to have to be throwing the ball. So uh, three touchdowns for him is not a lot to ask. And at plus money, I, I don't mind throwing this in a parlay with some other of the, uh, some of these other props. Yep, absolutely. I, I love that one. That's the best bet that you've thrown out there so far. <laughs> I don't think you're going to love my next one. Uh, that is MVS under 26.5 receiving yards at minus 130. Vegas giving you a little bit of juice to bet the over here. That should always be a tell for you as to what they expect to happen. I'm still okay laying the extra juice here on MBS. Uh, he does not receive many quick hitters. Cody, correct me if I'm wrong. You watch more Chiefs football than I do, but he needs the downfield play, in my mind, to get to this number, at least one, maybe two downfield plays to make it happen, and Mahomes is not going to be able to extend plays like he normally does. I would expect Kadarius Tony, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously Travis Kelsey to receive a couple extra targets near the line of scrimmage. That's just not really MBS's game, though, so I, I like his under 26 and a half. Yeah, I mean, you you nailed it when you said that he's not going to be able to extend plays. It doesn't feel like MVS is like their uh, – he's not like their in-rhythm receiver is how I'll describe it. Like Juju, Kelsey, Tony, like those are the guys that they're hitting on quick quick screens and kind of trying to get the rhythm, the offense in a rhythm. Uh, MVS really only kind of makes his work, kind of similar to what he did last week. I mean, he had one catch, and it was because Mahomes extended a play hobbling around up the uh, – and then kind of flicked it over the line of scrimmage to him, and it was a six-yard touchdown pass. So – um, yeah, I, he's just not he, – he, like I say, he just doesn't go in the flow of the offense. So, I actually, I, from a Chiefs fan, I, I don't mind this. The only thing that scares me is it just takes one – I mean, they they could definitely hit one 30-yard pass play in this game. So, even towards the end of the game, if, you know, the Chiefs are on, like, a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter, you're probably going to be sweating this bet, even if you still had zero receptions. But – Overall, from a Chiefs fan's perspective, I, I don't mind it. I think it's I think it's at a good line where it's at. I'd take the under also. And then obviously a small sample size uh, with last week being only one game and Mahomes being injured for about half of the game as far as uh, you know statistical data we had to look at. But like you said, MBS, one catch for six yards last week. Again, just not a guy that's going to get those scripted plays. I think you're looking for downfield shots with him, and that's just not something I think the Chiefs are going to do a ton of this week considering their quarterback being injured. My last one is probably my favorite one uh, after I did a little bit of digging on it. That is Cincinnati to score on their first drive at plus 140. 
They have scored on their last five first drives of the game. And the last time that they did not score was against Tampa Bay, and that's because Burrow threw an interception in Tampa Bay territory. So they were in scoring range in that game. And then I believe the game before that was the KC game, and they scored on their first drive against them as well. So the Bengals have been scripting out their first 15 plays very well. I would expect the same to happen here in the playoffs. And you're getting plus 140 on it, and you don't have to get a touchdown. It's just any score. So I, I like this one quite a bit. Yeah, shout out Zach Taylor. Give that man his respect. They are that. 100%. I mean, that is literally a coach's stat right there. I mean, the players have to make the plays, but everyone's first drive is 100% scripted. Like they have a rhythm that they're trying to get into for their offense. So that's a really cool stat. I I would take it as well. I mean, they don't want, from as a Chiefs fan, I hope it's a pick six the other way and they they <laughs> put points up. But um, yeah, I, I I would take that as well. I like the plus 140 on that. Actually, that's pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, I like I, this. I, I think that's pretty good. I like this number a lot because you've also got some games where they struggled, like that Baltimore game. They didn't really play that well in offense. They still scored on their first drive. It just seems like, again, this is just something where Cincinnati is going to have all their cards on the table. They're going to come out firing on all cylinders. They're going to hold no tricks in the bag, as it were. So. I would expect, um, you know, if they don't score on their first drive, it will be because of a, you know, a really good defensive play or something of that ilk. I, I think they uh, they have a good chance to get into at least field goal range. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and Anything then you want to throw out? So, yeah, uh, not betting wise, but I have two things I want to point out uh, that sure. kind of I, I was listening to another podcast and, and this point was brought up. But remember the the Ravens game in Cincinnati and that Tyler Huntley fumble that led to Cincinnati winning that game. Imagine if the Ravens win. I guess they have to go play Kansas City the next week. Right. But imagine if you know they could play Kansas City and Mahomes' ankle gets rolled up on, and then they sneak one out in Kansas City, and then they, you know, they go to Buffalo and Buffalo lays an egg or something like that. Like it's just it's crazy that you know they, the Ravens could be playing for an AFC Championship game if that one play goes a different way. So I don't know. Just crazy when you think about that kind of stuff. And then uh, the other thing, I saw that the Bengals are wearing their white jerseys, but they're sticking with the orange helmets. I thought it would have been really sick if they would have came out with the all-white outfits for this game, but they yeah, are uh, they're sticking more traditional. Helmets. Those are beautiful. I do too. If you're going all-white, I mean, I feel like that would have been just – I feel like if it was Joe Burrow's decision, he would go with the all-white helmet. Like that, I feel like <laughs> that one is just so clean looking, man. It's just, it's probably the coolest looking like helmet and uniform design that I've seen in a while. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. That would have been cool to see, but I think the, the 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 orange helmets will have to do this weekend for Cincinnati. Hopefully, they are good enough luck to pull out another championship win here, Cody. Uh, your 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 Kansas City dynasty is is very close to turning into the the Detroit Pistons from the early two thousands. I saw kind of an interesting article on ESPN comparing the two. Obviously, the big difference being the Pistons were more of a you know an amalgamation, whereas the Chiefs are have the biggest star in the game, but the, the, the general point was that they, they made five straight Eastern Conference Finals. You guys are in your fifth straight AFC title game, but they only won one championship. So hopefully hopefully your dynasty is able to get at least a second because uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a tough pill to swallow if you only come out with one off this run. Yeah, I really wouldn't call this team a dynasty team. I, I, feel, like, I feel like to be considered a dynasty, you have to put up three championships. So I, I think... I Tom think Brady the, has uh, set the bar the, pretty high, the, I will say. Yeah, the Patriots The Patriots were a dynasty. And you can honestly even say the Patriots were two separate dynasties with like a very short break in the middle where they yeah. were 
slightly not as good. So, and then you know you have the the Cowboys dynasty of the '90s. Like I feel like those are true. You have to win championships to become a dynasty. I feel like this is a really good team. I feel like they have a really good coaching staff. I don't feel like this is like I don't feel like they're going to go if they lose this game. They're going to go into next year, you know, and it's going to be a meltdown. So, I mean, I feel like they're they're still in a good spot. It's just. I'm a little, I'm a little bit down on it. I felt like they had a really good chance on winning the Super Bowl this year, but it's just, it, it's all going to come down to see how Mahomes is playing on that ankle. I mean, if it, if he comes out and it, the Chiefs were just throwing the biggest smoke screen ever and he's limping around from the start, I mean, it's just, it could get ugly fast, and that will not be fun to watch. Yeah, the first ten minutes of this game will be more, even more important than most games where, uh, you know, just seeing, like you said, seeing how Mahomes is playing, seeing if Cincinnati can continue their momentum for the, uh, you know, on the offensive line especially. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how these teams start the game. It could maybe, uh, you know, speak to how the game is going to go. I think the other, the other worry that you have as a Chiefs fan, even if Mahomes comes out looking good, you just one wrong step and then that ankle gets aggravated and uh, you know it could be, could be bad news after that, but. Hopefully, hopefully for the uh, the NFL's sake, he's able to stay healthy. I, I'd like, I would not, I I would rather Mahomes just be healthy and the and the Bengals just win. I I would not want the Chiefs fans to have the excuse of, oh well, if Mahomes is healthy, we would have won. You know, I'd rather the Bengals just beat him straight up like they did. Oh, that's already an excuse. That's already <laughs> of course, an excuse. of course, the team with no, the last injury luck in the NFL can can close. Last that, year, fair enough. Last year was the enemy's fault. So. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> All right, I see where you're going. No, I, I feel you. I, I'm hoping. Already. I mean, I'm hoping that it's at least a good game. I like I said. I mean, if I, I'm not going to bet on this game personally. I just, I if I do, it's just going to be a Cincinnati money line, and just it, it's going to be a 100% emotional hedge. So, I, I am very, very nervous going into Sunday. Well, Cody, take some pictures. Uh, you know, if you have some tears after the game, hopefully you're able to hop onto a podcast with us next week to go over the championship round and uh, eventually preview the Super Bowl. But we will see what happens this weekend. Should be some entertaining football. I'm hoping we get some better games than we had last weekend. But should be fun time. Cody, good luck at the game. Not too good of luck, but uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you at least see a good one. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere, Nick. We're going to have a uh, Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl to break down next week. So I'll see you then. (laughs) Sounds good, buddy. Peace out, everybody.